for the Mad Scientist Podcast. This week's episode, the military-industrial complex. Hello, listeners of the Mad Scientist Podcast, here with a very special episode tonight. If you can't hear the dulcet tones in the background there, we are uh, coming live from my my bedroom, Marie's second room, and uh, on the beat with cops. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? That's all I got. <laughs> That's all we got. So, uh, so today we are interviewing a listener, a good friend of the show, and uh, who is a who is a police officer in a major city. Mm-hmm. And we are going to talk about uh, military militarization. We're going to talk about policing. We're going to talk about everything we can think of here on this week's episode of the Mad Scientist Podcast. So, uh, so why don't you give us a little bit of background on yourself, uh, Rich? Here. Hi, uh, I'm uh, I'm Rich. I, I come from a major city. I'm uh, I got a few years as a, a police officer in said city, and I got a few years of uh, reserve military time uh, as a commissioned officer. I, I do listen to the show, and last week when I listened to the uh, the military industrial complex show, I figured, hey, this is something I can actually talk on. So I got in touch with Chris, and here I am. Let's do this. Yeah, it's exciting. It's it's not often, you know, usually we have people contact us who are like, I'm really into crystals. You know, like, like I, I can I can speak to that. But uh, this is cool. This is like the first time we've had anyone really kind of involved in this qualified. sort of qualified. Yeah, it's really the first qualified. time we've had a qualified individual. <laughs> pretty, pretty much 100 percent accurate. So I think that's true. So Why don't you tell us? OK, so first off, last episode, for those that don't know, we talked about. Uh, the military industrial complex, this idea specifically of sort of, you know, how science and the military kind of come together in an interesting way with industry, with with the government to help sort of, you know, I mean, mi- military war, things like that become big business. And it's sort of a natural progression from mm-hmm. science and the application of science. So it really has a lot to do with what we talk about every week on the show. And then on top of that, too, we We're have... We're going to be busting perps. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and then on top of that, we have this question last week of the Golden State Killer. And yes. uh, it continuously, it continuing to come to light that, in fact, they didn't... Um, the way that they did this analysis with him, or the way that they found him, was quite interesting and quite questionable uh, in some people's minds. So, so first off, Rich, why don't you tell us, I guess, a little bit... Why did you decide to become a cop? Um, well, uh, the benefits are great. Um, <laughs> uh, it's got a pension right. and civil service is hot right now. But, um, <laughs> That's good. No, in, re- in reality, uh, you know, I, uh, I like the, uh, I like the idea of, uh, being out there and, uh, you know, enhancing the quality of life for the people of the city I live in. Um, and it all kind of, melds together uh i know we get a bad light right now but at the end of the day all the uh all the people i work with uh we're all pretty much uh good people just trying to trying to help out you know yeah well first of all thank you for being a first responder and for putting yourself into this voluntarily to serve which is something that is so necessary and so important and so appreciated and something that i i personally 
personally could never do. So thank you. And I think it's like, it's fascinating because we were talking to Chris and it's like, we bring up these concepts and we start talking about stuff and we, we really do lack a, um, a real world base point, right? We, we lack somebody who actually has experience and has, has done much of the stuff that we've only hypothesized about. Ah. So thank you for joining us. We were very appreciative. Thanks for having me. No problem. I mean, it's really, it is really easy. I think for people to, especially for people that are, you know, kind of armchair, I guess, looking at this subject or this idea, right. It's really easy for us to get this view, I guess, of what police work is like, right. Right. Or even more so say uh, what, you know, what we think it should be or how we think it should work. But really the, the on the ground stuff that happens makes it much more challenging. Right. I mean, I don't, I have no idea how I would react. You know, I've, I've probably been in like, you know, a handful of fights. Like I can count on my hands, the number of fights I've been into in my life. Right. I've been in more fights than you probably, yes. but it's like, <laughs> you, you know, but it's, it's kind of the same thing. Like, I don't know how I would react in a, a really dangerous situation. Right. So it's, it is, I think for easy for a lot of people to say, well, you know, uh, whatever the cops should be doing this, the police should be changing this, whatever. But on the other hand, you have the reality of, you know, this is a real job. These are really dangerous things you do. So it's, it's hard, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I just happen to be able to work with a great group of guys and, uh, you know, we're all, we all have the same mindset and, you know, we've all been out there. We all have pretty good experience and, uh, you know, we all like these dangerous circumstances happen, but, you know, I have trust in, uh, you know, the same, you know, tactical experience as everybody that I work with. So, you know, things are things are pretty easy for me out there. And you're right. It is easy to uh, it easy. It is easy to money, money quarterback and everything. Uh, we yeah. do it, too, to ourselves. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we serve a public function and uh, we try to do the best we can. Sure. So what do you, so what, so you also have background in the military as well, yes. right? What, what kind of, I guess, what, what is the same, what is different between say policing and, um, you know, military kind of work or I guess military drilling. I don't really um, know. I know yeah. nothing about either. Uh, so what am I asking? Right. I don't know nothing. So, uh, I mean, the, the, the police departments, police departments around the country try to fashion themselves as sort of paramilitary and far as rank structure and things like that. But I mean, like my job in the, in the military, I'm an executive officer for an infantry company. Um, it's very different than, uh, you know, being a police officer, two different, two different outcomes. Uh, infantry companies are, uh, you know, I think, think kind of call of duty, kind of like that sort of a uh, thing, like where, uh, you know, I think the, I think the doctrinal way to say the what the infantry does is close with and destroy the enemy in close combat and police department obviously is that's not what police departments do so Mm -hmm. it's two very uh very different jobs but Mm -hmm. the discipline and the how to how to handle uh certain situations and you know how to keep your cool my prior military experience definitely helped me in my police uh in my police career wow it's sort of it's sort of the I think actually the, the operative word that you said there was enemy, right? That in the mm-hmm. military, you, I mean, really like that's what a military is for, right? Is for protecting yeah. the homeland against the enemy right, and, right. and those that want to do us harm. But, you know, in some ways I think the, 
I think almost in some ways that the, it's happened on both sides of this, where the military has started in some ways being asked or tasked with doing more, let's say things like regional policing, right? In yes. safe places right. like Afghanistan. Like win- or, winning hearts and minds. Exactly. Right. Well, yeah. uh, well, full spectrum operations is like we, is what we, uh, what the military is tasked out to do. Uh, you know, we have five core uh, full spectrum operations offense, you know, what you think of when you think like Call of Duty stuff, defense, sure. or uh, rather four uh, full spectrum operations, offense, defense, uh, civil support, which think like Hurricane Katrina, and then mm-hmm. uh, stability, mm-hmm. which is like think of like Iraq, like okay. after the after mission accomplished, you know what I mean? So the military does a bunch of uh, different facets, like when we're, uh, when we're either sent overseas or, you know, deployed stateside. Sure. Yeah, it's super, it's super interesting because wow. I think yeah I think on the other hand then with with policing, you know I think a lot of people see the uh, use of let's say military style uh, tactics or what appear to be from again from a completely layman perspective, right? I mean, right. you see uh, you see police uh, police with you know what appear to be rifles and uh, Kevlar vests and bulletproof helmets and yeah. all that stuff and whatever. I think for a lot of people it it is, it does appear to be intimidating. Right. But I wonder kind of, I guess the difference I think still is that view of, you know, if you're a police officer, you're primarily, you're helping out fellow citizens, right? You're, you're keeping them safe against those that would do them harm, but those people doing harm are still fellow citizens. Right. Whereas in a, in a kind of a war operation, I guess, um, if we take that offensive view, it is, it is an enemy combatant. Right. So what do you think, what do you say to people who, I guess, wonder about the uh, militarization of the police? Or do you see the militarization besides just that structure, like um, you said, mm-hmm. with wep- with with um, with tactics, with supplies, with funding, with mindset? Yeah, with I would say with like general mentality. Um. So, you know, there's there's different uh, there's different uh, variables to look at here. So. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of big police departments are harping on the uh, the community policing outlook right now, which is to have a soft uniform and, you know, respond to community complaints, community uh, really, really have that allegiance with community and whatnot, because that's basically what we're there to do. We're there to. uh, We're there to. But um, going back to what I was saying, so like you have that whole community policing outlook, you know, your local B cop and mm-hmm. you know, that whole enhancing the, uh, enhancing the, uh, quality of life for the, co- the community you police combined with, you know, you, at, you think about like the sixties and seventies, you have like, you know, riots in all the city, like the, you know, the civil mm-hmm. rights movement and all that stuff and all these riots and stuff. And that's what brings in like, you know, your, your militarized riot units and tear gas and stuff. And then think like the North Hollywood shootings in the late nineties and in Hollywood and everything. And that brings in like, you know, Oh wow. We're, we're walking around in soft vests with handguns and, you know, the perps are using, uh, like, you know, Kevlar vests and, uh, and assault rifles. Like, you know, that we need to up, we need to up our armament and our, mm-hmm. and our armor in order to, you know, match with the, uh, match with the perps and everything so you know like it's it's a it's a com- it's a combination of putting on that friendly appearance with being able to enforce the law and keep tabs on the uh or keep up with the uh with the with the perpetrators because ultimately we're there to be the we're there to make sure the perps see justice and the uh, uh you know people have a comfortable quality of life 
yeah, it makes it, you know, it's actually interesting. I often wonder, like, this is a super nerdy way of thinking about this. Mm-hmm. But I often wonder about, you know, like, uh, you play, like, the Batman video games, right? You're reading right. Batman comics or whatever, and it's like, you know, right. they got to deal with, uh, you know, the GCPD has all of these, you know, Killer Croc things to, like, you know, the, the Killer Croc uh, neck easily things to keep him down and whatever. and like bad guys. Well, like, yes. okay, besides, right? like, the easily identified bad guys, like a giant Killer croc, croc coming out of the sewer, sewer or whatever. Super easy identified. But, yes. like, I guess, what I, I guess what I'm saying is... It does make you wonder. It's kind of that mix between, say, uh, what's the word? It's that mix between, you know, you need to be prepared to do your job successfully, but at the same time, you do have to appear to be, you know, someone that's approachable for like a person, right? Because I mean, of course, right. um, you know, I see, I see a beat cop on the street, whatever, in in uh, in his clothes or whatever, or I see a cop mm-hmm. car on the side of the highway. If I need help, I'll stop and ask them. But right, you know, for I think right. a lot of people. Uh, that is intimidating still. And I think for a lot of people really of uh, a lot of people in, um, you know, uh, lower income communities or whatever, like mm-hmm. it is, it is intimidating because they've had bad experiences, yeah. but it's, it's interesting though, because, you know, I wonder, I guess I wonder like, what, what would you do? I mean, you're, you know, you, you haven't been doing this super, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time comparatively to me. Yeah. Right. And, and Marie, right. comparatively you know, Marie to the got video kicked games, out, Marie got kicked playing, off the although, force almost immediately. Although but, we've been playing video games for quite some time. Right. <laughs> right, right. But like, but you know, I mean, what, what do you think, what do you think could be done or should be done? Let's say to improve, I guess, uh, that more friendly view of the police. Um, and again, this is just my personal opinion. Yeah, of course. But, uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're out there, and it really like, you know, you can you can have a you can have a hard stance on crime and still be a person. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. the, the problem I felt like with big cities, um, in in the past is just that you know, uh, you know, too much enforcement without uh, you know, without putting a uh, too much. You know what, like. If you give out, you give out, uh, you know, you, you, you don't, oh, this is, this is such a complicated, uh, complicated issue. Um, so, you know, you really need to weed out like the real problems in the neighborhood. So like, you know, getting to know the people that you police and everything like that and what their issues are and all that kind of stuff kind of builds like an intelligence sort mm-hmm. of, uh sort of network kind of thing because you know you're networking with the people in the in the community and everything and they're you know once that trust is built then they're going to tell you you know who's dealing drugs who has guns who has you know who's doing illicit things in the neighborhood and just you know taking taking care of the people in your neighborhood instead of like you know uh just blindly uh going in there and writing tickets all the time and stuff like that like that that really uh in my opinion that's what uh that's really what really uh you know, that's how you get progress. Like, you yeah. know, you're, 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 you're not, a that you, you can't, you're only as good of a cop as, as the people you talk to, because you know, your eyes can't be everywhere. So once you build that, you build that trust, um, you know, that's what, uh, that's what helps you, you know, make these quality arrests. And ultimately I keep harping on it, but enhancing the quality of life for, uh, people in, uh, you know, your city. Right. Absolutely. That's so hard because it just seems like it's so much with that and the military. There's just so much gray area, right? It's there's so much like 
times that you are trying to interpret situations and you're just reacting and having to to learn and to take in all this stimuli punctuated by probably moments of like sheer terror like that's that's a like that's a lot that's a lot to take in yeah well you know it's just uh I, I really believe, uh, and you know, the people I work with would totally, mm-hmm. uh, totally agree that just what we do is really just like, uh, familiarizing yourself with the human condition and really kind of becoming a master of it and how to, how to deal with it and everything. Cause really all we're dealing with is just, you know, people at their worst moments in their life or mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And just trying to, you know, apply, you know, what the, what, mm-hmm. what the, mm-hmm. what, what the law says we have to do as well as, you know, trying to look for the most peaceful outcome in order to rectify a situation. Which is really important. Like you said, it's, you are governed by institutions and by the law, which is a huge, I think to, to me, that's sort of the backbone. That's the skeleton of anything of the military and how we look at, you know, our armed forces and services abroad and domestically and then police. So One of the things that we're thinking of and talking about now, too, is sort of the privatization of the military and really that they aren't held to the same. They aren't held to the same sort of standards or the same the same structure as a a serve and protect or an army, a navy, an air force, something like a Blackwater is there. They are mercenaries, basically. They are they're bought and paid for on a certain scale. So, yeah. Before we talk about uh, you know triple canopy and black water and cry and all that kind of stuff, uh, just uh, you know, it's uh, it's funny because it's not as uh, dubious as as one would really think. Now, you're right. The rules aren't as uh, the rules aren't as a uh, Wrote, written in stone like the Geneva Conventions are uniformed on forces and stuff like that. But when you talk about, uh, you know, these par- uh, these private military companies and everything like that, basically what happens is Congress regulates the amount of active duty soldiers you're allowed to have, mm-hmm. you know, active duty uh, seamen or airmen or Marines, you know. And uh, so the private military companies and everything. So, you know, back when you had like that total war during like World War II and everything like that, like you had like this, you know, tremendous you know tremendous military that congress appropriated money for and everything like that where like you know everybody's everybody's in the military everything's insular so like the cooks like beyond just so like combat soldiers so you're thinking like cooks you know repair uh, mechanics things like that everybody's military right but once you know the uh you know once congress shrinks the size of the military it's like how do you get around the numbers because congress makes a finite figure for what's uh how much uh what how many personnel mm-hmm. can be and obviously you're going to want to maximize how many combat uh personnel you have or people with uh combat specialties so you know the the cooks are going to go by the wayside so that's where you get these private military contractors whether they're mm. you know um so mm-hmm. when you're talking about things like you know a lot of cooks are contracted even on posts like in my career it's very rare you see actual uh you know, at, at least my experience has been very rare to see actual, uh, you know, cooks that are soldiers and everything like that. And, uh, you know, it gets into now what are these PMCs like Blackwater and stuff? Well, you know, when you have a finite amount of, you know, combat 
combat power being like uh, you know personnel. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't be designating like platoons of of soldiers of infantrymen to go out and guard like congressmen and things like that, or do like site security or or embassy security or things like that. So that's where these right. guys come in. You know, they hire these private guys, and the law hasn't really caught up with it yet. So they're kind of like a gray area in uh, you know in in foreign policy and everything. And what happens is you know a lot of the a lot of these guys are. You know, they have they have a prior military experience, whether, you know, maybe some of them are like special forces and stuff like that. And, you know, they're used to doing what they do when they're in uniform and now they're not. And, you know, the, the like I said before, the law hasn't caught up, but it's not uh, I, I, it's not like a Metal Gear Solid Four scenario where it's like, uh, you know, the PMCs are taking over the world or anything. Like I was, that. It's more just how do we how do we skirt I the do. law? I, I like I, was, I like your analogies. I think that that's pretty good too. No, but I mean, can't you in that the scenario you just put forward? Right. Basically, you're making the argument that war has changed. Like World War One, World War Two, there was a very clear, right? There was a clear and present enemy. Well, the, well there was an end. Well, there was an end. There was an end. Well. But think all of a sudden, now, what's what's your clear and present enemy? Because you know, America does a very. Uh, American, America and the American people do a very good job of uh, creating that. Yes. Creating good versus evil. Yes. Well, I'm just saying even perceived. I mean, whereas, you had. Whereas warfare isn't necessary. Clausewitz defines warfare as diplomacy that uh, when all other means of diplomacy are exhausted. So, you know, it's basically just one, you know, state with uh, different ends than another state, you know, and yes. talking has failed. So, you know, you can't really paint good versus evil. I mean, it's easy to. It's easy to say the Nazis were evil, you know, because they uh, were they killed people by the millions. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because they're they're done. But no, but right. but no, I, I would just say in perception wise, right. you had a, you had a draft, you had a lot of backing behind sending people to war. Then all of a sudden, you move into a much muddier situation, a murkier situation well, I, where it's becoming. Hold on, it's becoming more televised, right? Like. Vietnam, you're all of a sudden starting to see what the ramifications of war are in a lot of ways. And you also, you know, now you also don't have the draft. Right. So you have this limited, you still have people, I think, that haven't, um, congressmen and other people that haven't, that don't have a vested interest in not going to war, sending people out to spread them thin too, as well. Like you still have this sort of this feed to want to do this without, without. I don't want to say the the quote unquote just cause, but it's harder and harder to to manufacture that in well, a lot was, of ways. Yeah, it it, it really is. Uh, you know, the the media in Vietnam and going forward mm-hmm. kind of like lifted the veil on that whole. Disneyfication, so to speak, about uh, what warfare is and everything. You know, good you fight. The, yeah, you don't have the newsreels anymore. It's just you know guys in caves and napalm and all that kind of stuff. And you know that's kind of just been the uh, that's been the gold sta- industry standard since uh, mm-hmm. since Vietnam, as far as uh, war correspondence and whatnot, as far as uh, news coverage. But um, yeah, and and America, yeah, you're right. America kind of it is kind of harder to for America to stomach. Um, how, uh, you know, the conduct of, you know, 
conflict overseas when you know you're seeing uh dead bodies and stuff on tv and everything you know it's not as foreign of a concept when it's like right in your living room well i think yeah, i think there's also something to the idea though you kind of touched on this a little bit before uh, in your last comment before yeah. uh, this last one where you said about the um the inability today i think in some ways to make it about good versus evil right right and i actually think it's really interesting we kind of see that like if you talk, we, we have a podcast that we are friendly with who's on Dark Myths, really great podcast. Kristaps Anderson does the Eastern Border, and he's from Latvia. And, okay. you know, he talks about how his, you know, his people were decimated by the Soviet Union, right? Mm -hmm. And in, in his mind, um, in his mind, Stalin and Lenin are far worse than Hitler, Right. Right. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to take his words out of out of his mouth or anything. But you know, in his mind, and maybe not. Maybe not worse than this Hitler either. He'd be smoking either. at this time too. <laughs> right. Yeah, he'd be mad. <laughs> maybe not worse than Hitler, but you know what I'm saying? Like they're comparable. They're extremely comparable. And if you look at the numbers, right, they are comparable. But Hugely I comparable, think. Yeah. But I think because of because of the Cold War, because we had this prolonged war where the resolution wasn't ultimately of a, a big final battle that wiped out one side from the world versus the other. Right. We've almost kind of, I mean, we see that happening where we kind of, you know, we kind of, uh, I don't want to say kind of look positively on the Soviet Union, but we certainly turn the other way on their atrocities and say, you know, a lot of people do anyways and say, you know, well, you know, it was just another way of living when in fact, you know, it was, a brutal dictatorship. So right. it makes me wonder, uh, it makes me wonder in these instances though, where if war has been defined in the past as this, this thing that States do right. Governments mm -hmm. wage war. Well, right. with the privatization of the, uh, with the private, with the private industry starting to go into kind of these realms, I think for a lot of people, the concern is whether or not it's justified is that eventually war won't just be something war will become so terrible and so, uh, so complete that it won't have to be something that, that governments do because if a government goes to war with another government, it would just, you know, end the world, so to speak. Right. right. So well, in the, I think what people worry about is kind of, I think, you know, the metal gear solid style, or even, oh, you know, yeah. look at, look at like, look at the Punisher, right? Look at Marvel's the Punisher on Netflix. Now, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. worked for this. He even worked within the government, but then um, turned this into say this uh, private contracting thing. Right. So I think for a lot of people, the worry is that maybe they're not doing it now, but they could, if they wanted to, right. That they could, um, they could be used for these clandestine operations and things, but as, as far as like saying to the, like, like that, uh, like, I don't know, Facebook is going to go to war with Google. Like, is that like with, uh, with, well, arms, I mean, so it you sounds know, not as outrageous, but yeah, like, it sounds silly, like but it's effect. kind of to that effect, right? Where what happens if, what happens if Blackwater does something so egregious to say the, I don't know, Iranian military or something mm -hmm. that, um, that, the Iranian military decides to declare war on the United States. Right. Does the United States say, well, it wasn't us. It was Blackwater. Does, is Iran then at war with Blackwater? You know what I'm saying? I like mean, that is the kind of interesting questions. I think. Yeah. I mean, I can't comment. Like I, I can't comment on how diplomacy would play out. It's just like, it's all really complicated, but uh, sure. I can tell you right now that if an American uh, PMC, you know, goes over and, uh, you know, uh, 
like commit some sort of atrocity or you know act of aggression against a foreign military or, or foreign entity at all uh you know they're gonna hold they're gonna hold yeah. america to the uh right you know, america to the, standard. to the sure. standards yeah as as far as you know all the laws of war and everything and uh you know uh like geneva conventions and whatnot you know those pmcs you know, if they get caught, they don't have the same protections under the law as like a soldier does. Like, you know, soldiers are required, you know, by the Geneva Conventions, prisoners of war are required a certain level of mm. dignity and respect and yeah. care that PMCs, you know, they're just criminals, you know, like right. in that instance. Like if, if you if I'm a uh, if I'm, you know, a Blackwater uh, oper- operative or whatever, and I'm overseas and, you know, I uh, I sh- let's say I'm on the I'm on the border between uh I don't know, Iraq and Iran, I just happened to like shoot at an Iranian soldier or something like that. And, you know, I just committed and I killed him. I just committed murder. It's not like, you know, mm-hmm. one state actor against mm-hmm. the other. I'm just a, I'm a private citizen. Right. So, You're just a guy criminal with, yeah. the state. Because yeah. you don't represent the state. You are the government. You are a private yeah, interest. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, as far as uh, keeping up with the, uh, the Metal Gear Solid 4 scenario, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, laws kind of there's certain protections in the law that kind of deter that kind of keep that, uh, you know, that state on state military kind of thing going, uh, yeah. you know, the norm and prevent, uh, sort of private actors kind of doing their own thing. And then, you know, what do we think when we think of private actors too, we think of like Al Qaeda and stuff like that. They don't represent States. They're just, uh, no. terrorists. So that, exactly. you, you have that connotation as well. Yeah. What's That's the difference between a private, someone who's acting on a private, their own behalf versus a terrorist. In a lot mm. of ways. In some respect. Yeah, yes. that's also yeah. interesting. So I, I have a less serious question. Um, mm-hmm. when, when do you officially get to call yourself grizzled? <gasps> yes, 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 yes. This is a good question. Yes, like you're a when, grizzled detective. When will you be, yeah, when will you yeah. be grizzled? Is that like a rank? Do you have to do you put in time for that? Like, what is that? Oh, yeah, it's it's all it's all it's all about time. It's all paperwork. And, you put the and work do you in. have to? Uh, my partner still calls me a rookie, so. Do you have okay, to smoke? Do you have, he calls you rookie, right? We we say salty all the time, but do I have to put in paperwork to be salty? No. No. What about, <laughs> do you have to smoke? Like, I would assume at some point to move up in the ranks again from all of the everything like, I've everything I've seen everything I've watched and again like I feel like I should have some degree or something because I've watched a lot you know you should be smoking we'll totally smoke a road flare or something like that you know just to get the good <laughs> look the, uh, you know what I mean like <laughs> just to double down just to double down on that right okay in my military career I, I smoked some cigarettes just to stay awake because you know if you're doing over 24 hour ops you you kind of find anything to kind of keep you awake. And, uh, you know, I didn't like chewing tobacco. So I, I went to smoking. I'd rather kill my lungs, I guess, than my teeth. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of stopped doing that. But that was that was the 19-year-old version of me uh, trying to handle business. Nice. I don't know. Handling yeah. business. So Word. where – okay, so what would you say, I guess, is – getting back to, like, more, I guess, semi-serious questions or ideas. Sure. So, like, okay. These so people – People have these wacky, obviously, you listen to the show, you know, we've, uh, you know, people talk about crazy crap all the time, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, one of my favorites, or one of the things that I think is so interesting with this idea of the military-industrial complex is that, is that they will, the government will eventually get all of its, all of its stuff together, will... Mm -hmm 
take over the continental United States by basically police forces. But in my, in my understanding though, police forces don't really communicate all that well with each other. Right? They, don't really, they don't really um, work that well together. So like, yeah, I mean, we do like things have improved, like the FBI and the sure. special databases and everything like yeah. that. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we, but, and without, you know, divulging where I work, um, you know, us in our, you know, adjoining jurisdictions kind of, you know, we help each other out a lot. But, uh, as far as like national, like that goes into like, you know, that state's rights thing where it's like, you know, education can't be, uh, you know, you know, when you talk about the teachers and all that stuff, like when, you know, they did the no child left behind, it was like infringing on states' rights because, mm-hmm. you know, the government's trying to dictate how we, every state's going to do education. Yeah. It, it kind of goes the same for policing, too. Like uh, throughout the law enforcement community and everything, like there was it was an uproar when they brought up this notion, like the, the Obama administration brought up this notion of a, a federalized police in response to like the Ferguson uh, incident and all that kind of stuff and the Eric mm-hmm. Garner thing. So, and it's just like, you know, who's the federal government to say how us, the states are going to, you know, um, police our, uh, police our jurisdictions. And then even down at the municipal level, when the state, you know, when the state tries to, you know, send state troopers around and stuff, the municipalities are like, who's the state to say how to police our municipality and everything. It's like a big turf war. So it's really like you, you, I'll put it this way. You find a way to unite every police force as a, as a means of, you know, quelling some sort of, you know, American rebelliousness. And, you know, I'll give you everything in my wallet. And some chewing tobacco. Interesting. And some chewing tobacco. When did the Illuminati turn you friend? When did they get you? I know. So, okay. Dues. (laughs) You pay dues. Yeah. It's the same thing. I know it's the same way with the grizzled thing. So yeah, with this idea, I guess of, with this idea of, the jurisdiction between so i guess i find it really interesting this idea of i always found it really interesting this idea of like state troopers versus like city troopers versus you know sheriff's okay. offices and whatever sheriffs yeah like i wonder so what what is the deal with sheriffs i mean you're not a sheriff well if you're what's a county, the deal? it's a county the they represent a county a sheriff can do uh can deal in uh Criminal law, obviously, if you're a smaller town, but to, by definition, a sheriff diff- usually deals with like uh, civil assets and uh, civil law and whatnot. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on, it wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on CannedAirPodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. Um, okay, so it's like... Sheriff's, Depart- <laughs> Sheriff's Departments, a lot of times, uh, they do... some In smaller towns, they do have, uh, like, road units where they go around and they do some sort of, like, v- VT, uh, vehicle traffic law or, uh, you know, criminal criminal law enforcement but a lot of times you find them in jails or like if if you're about to get your house like uh repossessed or something like that like uh you know they uh they'll uh they have to be there and they're the ones that can actually like you know seize your assets and stuff like that that's what sheriffs do police police departments are more uh oriented on that criminal law enforcement like dealing with you know murderers and thieves right, and stuff like, like crime. that. Yeah. yeah I, crime. I legitimately, I had absolutely no idea. Like 
Because I always see these signs where it's like, you know, vote for so-and-so for sheriff. And I'm always sheriff. like, yeah. I was like, why the heck? Like, I don't want to vote anybody in for sheriff. That means I could be sheriff. Right. You know, like, there's no way I should be sheriff. Like, uh, you know. Well, I think that's something that would unite the people. Against there is no way that you should be. <laughs> Look at that guy. He can't chase criminals. Well, it, it, it There's is, no way. It is nice. It is nice in your small municipality. A sheriff is like the equivalent of like Commissioner Gordon in Gotham City. You know what I mean? Oh, like, you know, or police commissioner. You know what I mean? Like, it go. is nice to be able to elect your uh, your police commissioner. Elected sense, official. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah. I understand that. That's in a lot of the big cities, the police commissioner serves at the at the pleasure of the mayor of that city. Yeah. So right. But then, like, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of judges in big cities, big states serve at the uh, at the pleasure of, like, governors and stuff like that. Whereas in small towns, it's like the town judge is elected and he could be like the pharmacist, too. You know what I mean? Like, it's uh, also it's insane. wild. That's also the big difference between small sense. town America and big town America. But then, like, going into what you said, like, you don't understand, like, you know, jurisdictions and troopers and cops and everything like that. So I'll use the state of New York as an example. Right. So. You have uh, New York State Troopers, right? They're the law. They're the law enforcement uh, agency arm of the state government, right? So they and they enforce all the laws in New York State, right? And they can, their jurisdiction is in the entirety of New York State. Okay. You know, uh, so on the southern end of New York State, you have the New York City Police Department, the largest police department in the country, and. You know, its its jurisdiction is the five boroughs in New York City, right? And then let's say, like, I don't know, uh, all the like for argument's sake, I don't know if they exist. If I if they do, cool. Um, you know, up in like up in northern New York, like you know, think think the miracle hockey game, America versus Soviet Union. You have Lake Placid, which is a town of like I don't know five people, yeah. But uh, and they have their police department, right? So the the idea that, you know, police departments get upset about jurisdiction and, you know, how to how to, how do the troopers know how to police? Because, you know, Lake Placid is a different place from New York City and you're dealing with different law enforcement. You're different dealing with different, uh, you know, different people, different groups and stuff like that. So it's almost like, you know, who says this trooper that's from all the way up in Lake Placid knows how to, you know, knows how to deal with a major sure. American metropolis. Well, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so, you know, well, you know, what I've I got a question, though. Go Shoot. Ahead. How, so how does the port authority come into that? Like, how does, what is like the police? Is that Coast Guard? No, nah, the port okay. authority is a, is a joint New York state, Jersey. New Jersey, right. Uh, right. police, police and uh, transportation agency that governs uh, the airports. Yeah. Um, the, the, the port authority bus terminal in Manhattan. The bridges, all that kind Fairies. of stuff. So they they deal yeah. with the, uh, and they deal with criminal enforcement and you know traffic enforcement and civil stuff all in that. Well, that's like another a whole another What's layer though on top of everything else. Who's yeah. their police force? Do they have their own police force or do they have? They do have their <sighs> own police force. See, that's so it's so weird. Man, that's that, insane. So, you know, it's funny growing up growing up in New York City. I always thought I, it always made sense to me that like New York City had its own police force. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of, I think growing up, I just kind of assumed that like every, like I figured if you called 911 in any city in America, a New York police officer would show up and be like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Hey, how you doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I always assumed that would be the case just because yeah. growing up, that's what I thought cops were like. Right. But then right. when we moved to Boston, you know, it's so weird to me in Boston, you have, you have the Boston police, right? 
Yeah. And they're very similar to New York City Police. Except they like the Red Sox, so they should never come down. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No, the two should never. That's two (laughs) jurisdictions that will never mix. But, um, you know, but so no. So you have the Boston police, but then like legitimately you cross one bridge that's over like a tiny, you know, basically like a pond. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you're in Cambridge and they have their own police force. It's like, what the hell? What's going on? That's so So, strange. Yeah. So here's a hypothetical. So Chris and I rob a bank <laughs> and let's just go upstate like give me an upstate like rochester something like some well, yeah, yeah no, no, know, no, let's, rochester. no 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 that's, right. that's even too crazy what, what are you trying okay. to say like we go to new well, york gonna, to hide no 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 we're gonna rob a bank so it's like my and then we we elude capture for x amount of times how many different cops could catch us and what is the likelihood within a certain amount of time that they would be able to identify us based on cross the- jurisdictionally right so it's like we rob a bank if you're in california yeah. and you end up in north carolina nah no no i mean even that's even, even that's, that's too big small, i think let's say okay like let's say state of let's new say, york let's say you let's say you rob a car in mm-hmm. you rob a car in Somerton, massachusetts and then okay. you drive the 25 minutes into the city of Boston. You go mm-hmm. through Boston and then you go to Revere, right? Okay. So you're basically like, so it's like, that's like a 35 minute drive, maybe, um, you know, from like the far edge of Somerton, uh, or, you know, to, um, to whatever, to, to Revere. Jersey. We should, right? we should do it in New Jersey to go in. So to, no, no, I mean, this is, this is easier, right? Whatever. This is fine. So ah. could, could I get caught? Let's say I get if I get, I get caught, stopped, you get stopped. What's the likelihood of the cop where you are knowing about what you did from where yeah, you started? Yeah, yeah. So well, I get I get caught. I get stopped mm-hmm. in Boston, but I committed mm-hmm. a crime in Somerton, or I committed a crime in Medford, or I committed whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, without getting into too much of the uh, the technical stuff, uh, you know, if you're if you're wanted for a you know major enough crime, you know, it's going to be a you're, 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 it's good. That's going to be put on blast to like sure. all over the country. And, you know, if you get, if you get, if you get stopped and, you know, they happen to run your information and everything like that, uh, it, it, it'll, it'll pop. And then it's a matter mm. of notifying the police department that, uh, stated they have that, that has the criminal complaint against you and them having to, you know, come to uh come to your jurisdiction and they get permission through your uh police department to affect whatever okay you know arrest warrant or whatever or affect an arrest and then they take you and they extradite you back to whatever jurisdiction interesting that is interesting so and so <laughs> no it seems so weird that you could or i guess it not is- weird it doesn't seem weird it seems interesting though to me that in times when say criminals play the game though to, mm-hmm. to kind of prolong their terms. So for instance, um, Charles Ng um, is a, who was mm-hmm. a serial killer uh, who was working with uh, Leonard Lake. And he, um, he stayed, he basically played the Canadian, like he got caught for like shoplifting in like Toronto. Mm-hmm. Right. And Canada was like, no, he has to, he has to serve his time in Toronto for stealing before he can go to America to be charged for like, you know, uh, kidnapping and torture and rape and murder. Well, right. Right. Yeah. And uh, so they, they made him, they made him stay in Canada for like 10 years or something wacky. And he kept, cause he kept, he kept, you know, uh, prolonging his trial over and over again, over and over again, whatever. And then finally he got to America and they, you know, they put him in jail, whatever. But it seems so interesting. Like 
could the same thing happen? Let's say where could this could the same thing happen where you do that, where it's like, okay, I'm I got caught in, you know, yeah, I got caught in Connecticut, but they I'm wanted in Rhode Island uh, for a much worse crime. I'm just going to stay in Connecticut for as long as I can. Well, it depends on uh, <laughs> which is its own sort of prison. But seriously, it's OK. It all depends on, uh, you know, everybody's allowed their due process and whatnot, but it all depends on, on what each jurisdiction is willing to do. It's like really it's really a case by case kind of compromise kind of thing. So, yeah, if you get caught for you get caught for doing a robbery in, in, uh, in Connecticut and you're one mm -hmm. for murder in Massachusetts, you know, they could uh, a lot of different things. Connecticut can just, uh, you know, you know, extradite you to. Uh, Massachusetts to serve out your time or, you know, you have to do your time for the for the robbery in Connecticut and then, you know, upon completion be extradited to Massachusetts. Um, and all this time, you know, you got if, if you elect to go on trial for certain things, then you got to go through trial in uh, Connecticut before uh, trial concludes and then you can mm. be extradited to Massachusetts for trial. Because, you know, the, the Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, you know, all that... Uh, you know, your, your bill, of, the bill of rights and whatnot kind of like protects you. And, uh, you know, I don't have my, you know, con law book in front of me right now. But, so bear with me here. But, uh, you know, basically the, the bill of rights protects us from, you know, government intrusion and whatnot in the sense that, you know, you're, you're going to have your day in court. Um, you're going to get to exhaust mm -hmm. all options before we, uh, we put you in bracelets and put you behind <laughs> bars and stuff. So, you know, that all, plays into it like i've had several cases where uh, I've, I've i've testified at cases where you know the lawyer is hired basically the guy's guy's caught dead to rights for different crimes and the lawyer's basically just hired so he can think of different ways to keep this guy out of jail until eventually he goes to a trial and then finally sure. gets put behind huh. bars you know especially if he's not in on bail hmm. yeah it's interesting yeah it's uh, so, fascinating yeah it is i mean i wonder so chris it's doable doable that's all i'm saying <laughs> so, yeah there's a chance sounds like there's a chance do it's probably not a very good one or a very lucrative one no, but i'm just no. saying this whole podcasting thing you know washes out no i think we're gonna do better selling supplements marie mm. oh so yeah what, totally you know true. what's weird that's what's true. interesting actually is i actually don't i can't think of a podcast where they do have like actual police on the air talking about their experiences and what they think and stuff I feel like that'd be I feel like that'd be awesome, right? Like cop talk. I don't know what we'd call it. Probably not cop talk. <laughs> that sounds terrible. But you know what yeah. I mean? Like I find it, but I find it really interesting because you again, you really do have this weird. We're lucky because we have we actually have a lot. We have a lot of listeners who are uh, police officers or in the military or whatever, and they reach out to us when we do topics like this, and they give their own experience and what they think, and you know. Uh, we even had one. It was really cool. We even had a listener uh, give kind of a, a rundown on bullet technology and how they changed since the Civil War, how guns changed since the Civil War. Right. We did the, we, we did the episode on the Civil War surgeries. And, you know, so it's it's cool in that sense that we do get to interact with people like that. But I think it's so it's so weird, though, that, you know, if you don't have like a friend who's a cop or a family member or something, you might not ever. It's the same way with scientists where you might not ever interact with one of them. And so you really have no idea what it is they're doing or what they think, exactly. how they feel. And so it's kind of, I think in the same way, the same kind of problem, I think it's obviously for different, uh, different results, or different ways, really. But just in, I think in many ways, 
the problem of the the problem of the public not trusting, let's say, police uh, jurisdictions or police officers in some cases, it's very similar. It comes from a very similar place, I think, of people not trusting or understanding medical science or uh, climate change or whatever, where, you know, people don't have access to these individuals to talk to and actually hear them as real people. And so they just kind of discard them. It's just easier to think they're this big monolithic uh, group, right? Yeah, I would argue that the more you get to know individuals regard yeah regardless of who they are or what they do the better the better understanding you have of the plight right it's sort of like it's yeah. like on my end like uh you know it i i don't think of you know i i hear all these like great things that they're doing in science and then i remember my crazy friend chris and all, all his uh going for his doctorate and everything like yeah. that well, think, really oh, yeah, science is a person <laughs> It's, science it's, is the first cops are people like you know black lives matter they are people like there's a lot i think that the the thing that's hard is that you you can get so separated from what brings people together right that it becomes even harder to make that connection and i think that that's that's what's so interesting about this to me and about talking to people and doing this podcast about just all sorts of things is it's like for all of these assumptions that you make and these topics you talk about, there's people's lives and everybody's lives and story is different. And yeah. but there's something there that has some commonality that we have to be able to find and identify just so we can keep going. So I think yeah. it's fascinating. You know what? You know what? Actually, this is kind of funny. This I I always see this on Reddit, mm -hmm. and I always get like a little <laughs> weepy. And my wife thinks I'm such a big weenie because of it. But there's uh, this big weenie. I'm telling you, yes. but there's this there's this picture of it's a cop who I don't know where he is. I don't know what the deal is, whatever. But it's this cop who he's sitting there and he's eating chips and drinking sodas with three kids. And it says, you know, um, these kids, you know, they don't have they don't have dads at home, whatever. Um, their dads are in jail or something, whatever. I don't remember exactly what it is that they say, like why they're gone. But like basically, like it's making the point that, you know, this dude is going out there every day. He eats, he eats chips. He drinks soda, he plays basketball with his kids, he hangs out, play, throws a football around, whatever. And, you know, it's like, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, damn, dude, you know, like, that's that's the exact kind of person I would want to be a cop. Yeah. You know, this guy who is, like, going out of his way to make a connection to his community and, like, you know, give a crap about these kids, right? Yeah. Dude, what's your, so what's your favorite part about being a cop? I was going to say, what is, yeah, what's your favorite about, and what TV show, because of course, if you guys are going to talk about video games, we have to talk, like, what do you think as a cop, you're like, oh man, this is the best TV show ever. Best cop show is The Wire. Oh my God, yes. Is oh that, my God, yes. So is it, yes. is it the best because it's just the best, or no, is it the best it, because it, is it is the best because it's the most life, it's the most like real life? It is the best because it is unparalleled by it anything we have ever done. It's just the best. It's just the best. Have you watched it, Chris? Okay, so all right, he hasn't. He hasn't. Okay. He hasn't. No, let me start. Let me start. Okay, Richie me and hasn't. Katie, me and Katie started we tried watching to watch The Wire, it. Oh, didn't and then we couldn't. Songs. We just never finished you know it. But we have started you don't, it. You don't deserve The Wire if you don't love it after after okay. the third. You know one, what happened? You don't get it. You don't deserve it. Okay, the Sorry. to me in my mind for some reason The Wire and Oz are like on the same no! level of show. No. And then no. I watched, and then I watched Oz, and it just damaged me so completely. Okay, seriously. Like I was man. like, I'm never going to jail. Oz <laughs> is like, what I Oz, Oz is what I tell first offend, first time offenders what jail is going to be like. 
Oh Dude, my god! This is so scary. Anyways, you, so you no, you've so got to okay, so stop the- that. You've got to stop that. The wire is like. I love. Oh my god! I just finished like my twentieth run through of it. Reviewing. I mean, wow. it is amazing. So wait, is it? It's is amazing. It, is it because though? Like, yes. so we watch it every you- year. Every year we watch. We watch all. Like it's five seasons. We watch it all. The, we we watch it religiously. Which one do you it's think? That good. Which show do you think is the most lifelike though? Which one do you think is the closest to what we do? The Wire. Yeah. The Wire. <laughs> you think it is The Wire? Yeah, definitely. It's just you know, it's more. Uh, I mean, no, no, nothing is like really what we do because, you know, you don't have the monotony of it because obviously you have to entertain, you know, That's people. They, right. But uh, right. Yeah. it's yeah. just like co- it's like cops where like, you know, you only get like the, the, the like the 30 minutes of like action packed stuff and, and they're not showing the guy drive around eating his lunch crap like that. Right. Like but, what uh, the hell talking? Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. You know what yeah. I mean? But like, you know, as far as like a TV police drama, like I would mm-hmm. definitely say, uh. I would definitely say the wire is the is is definitely the best. You know, it's oh, funny. I'm heartened. That's awesome. You need to you need to stop what you're doing, Chris. You need to put down this Harry Potter nonsense that you've been feeding yourself. Watch the wire. I have, yeah, so do I it. Have, I have a favorite. I have a favorite episode of Cops, and it's one where um, the cops are like they get a call. They're in Florida. It's like it's like the middle of the day. They get a call in Florida, of course, and they say. There's a, they get a call that there's some guys in someone's backyard making like noise, whatever, just being rowdy, whatever. So they get there and it's this guy, it's this guy and he's, he's like hiding behind an air conditioner and the cops are like, the cops are like, sir, sir, we're getting, we're getting a call that you're making noise that you're like undressing yourself, whatever. And he comes, he's standing, he gets up and you can like see his pelvic bone. So he's clearly not wearing pants. And they're right. like, sir, are you naked? And he just goes, ain't nobody naked back here. <laughs> it kills me. Every time I come out of the shower naked, Katie's like, Chris. And I'm like, ain't nobody naked back here. It's so good. Anyway. So the, okay. So that's your, that's your favorite one. What is your, yes. what is, I guess your, what is your favorite and least favorite part about being a cop? Um, Best part is the people I work with and just interacting with people all the time. It's okay. it's really never uh, it's really never boring. Um, we uh, we always have a good time and you know we're we're out there doing the right thing and doing what we got to do and it's a uh, it's always a uh, it's always a blast. Um, let's see, worst part. Uh, hmm, what's the worst part? Uh, Pure unmitigated fear. That would you be mine? <laughs> no, mine too. Sometimes the boredom, like, you know, you're uh, like, I know it sounds contradictory to what I said with a good part. Like, but you know, when we're, when we're out there, you know, we're doing something, uh, whether, you know, we're, uh, uh, you know, doing an operation or interacting with the community or anything like that. Like that's, that's always good. But like, if we're, if, if, if literally nothing's going on and we're just kind of driving around and, uh, you know, absolutely nothing's happening. Like, you know, that's, that, that's kind of, that's kind of lame. Then it's like, where are we going to get coffee next or something like that? You Honestly, know what I, mean? like, I wonder about that in terms of say those cases where things do go wrong, right. Where, yeah. you know, someone gets shot or someone gets, you know, arrested, uh, incorrectly or whatever. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I often wonder, cause I mean, yeah, cause we've, we've talked about this before where it's like, you know, I mean, you know, like I, we I, obviously like new, new cops growing up, you know, my parent parents friends were cops a lot of them a lot of my uncles right, and aunts right. and whatever were friends you know whatever so it's like 
but yeah, that boredom aspect of it, like it makes me wonder, you know, you're, you might never see a big call for like years, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you're in a small town or something. And then all of a sudden you get a call that something is really going on. I could definitely see your adrenaline spiking. Like I think, and you, and people, someone making say a rash decision because they Mm -hmm. weren't trained enough or they weren't given enough constant kind of, maybe not constant drilling, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I haven't, I mean, crap, you know what I mean? Like I haven't, I haven't made a pizza in like months and I bet the next one I make is going to be terrible. You know what I mean? Because it's like you right. just haven't done it in a long time. Yeah. It's, it's going to be the same thing with anything else. And to me, I think with policing and with kind of responding to big calls like that, like you have got to be on it all the time. And that's why it makes training so important. Yeah. Well, that's you know? one of the that's one of the differences between uh, that's one of the differences I've experienced between my time in the military and my time uh, in policing. As far as uh, the mil the American military wins based on uh, you know, practice in the sense that you're always drilling, you know, contingencies basically. So it's like, you know, you get into a, get into a, a firefight or something like that. And, uh, you know, there's uh you know, it's like, how do you react to direct fire contact? How do you, you know, flank and stuff like that to those effects? How do you mm-hmm. conduct these battle drills and whatnot? And, you know, there's, there's, there's small, you know, pre-scripted ways kind of like to, to handle all this stuff. And just, you know, when it comes to policing, you're really dealing, you're really trying to manage the human condition. So it's not, and, and we're out there every day. We can't be in training, you know, like, you know, cause you're, you yeah. have to police the streets, you know, we can't be in a, in a classroom setting or in a, in a training setting all the time. So, I mean, you know, the, since, since this has become a hot ticket issue, like I think around the country, like training has improved. I, I can't speak on that for certain or anything, but you know, in my experience, just like the amount of training yeah. I've gotten has been, uh, it's been exponential. So, you know, they're, they're, they're trying their best, but it's just, you know, a lot of it's common sense really like, you know, and, and having compassion as well as understanding your responsibilities and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, a lot of, you know, unfortunately sometimes things have to result in, uh, you know, uh, use of force or whatnot sometimes yeah. and frequently, but, uh, you know, if, if you're doing it, if you're doing it for the right reasons, if you're doing it to protect life and stuff like that, like, you know, as, a, as, as opposed to acting out of fear, or, you know, things like that, like, you know, and that's just, uh, that's just, I don't know. It just, it just varies person to person. It's hard. It's hard to train for that. Sure. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I actually have, I have one, I have one more question, I guess. I feel like, yeah. Cause one thing I wonder is with these things to me, like in, so you're in a big city and right. like most big cities, the city that you're in uh, doesn't allow open carry of weapons, doesn't allow right. pistols, right? Like all this stuff. Thank God. Well, so that's actually the question I was going to ask was, can you, do you think has being a police officer and being in those situations where, you know, you stop someone because in my mind, I would see if I stop someone in a city, I think, I guess it never really changes the potential that they could have a gun, right? Is that the kind right. of view that you would take that it doesn't really change? Because because re- regardless, like a criminal will, could have a gun, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like if they have it legally or they have it illegally, it doesn't really matter. For you, you have to take every instance as this person could be armed. Right. Of right. Because I, w- I wonder about that argument because I've heard that argument before where it's like, you know, 
well, limiting guns is better for police because it means that they can be safer generally and whatever. And I wonder kind of statistically, maybe, I don't know. I haven't looked at the numbers, but maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. But in terms of like a perception thing, would you could do you see yourself if you were in, say, a, a city that had uh, guns were legal and easy mm -hmm. to get versus a city where they were hard to get? Do you see yourself acting differently in situations? Um, I don't think so, because, uh, you know, it, it, it all comes from the nature of what the interaction is on the street. Like if somebody's like if somebody's sitting down drinking a beer or something like that on their porch, you know, I'm not going to go at them like, you know, they committed, you know, first degree murder. You know, but like, you know, if you're dealing with, uh, I don't know, like known gang members and known drug dealers or something like that, whether open carry is allowed or not, you you're going to you're going to exercise a certain amount of caution and hold yourself a certain way. You know what I mean? Like that's it's just kind of how you change your. Uh, you you kind of change you kind of change your reaction based on your audience, so to speak. Interesting. Mm. Marie, any yes. any other questions, Marie? Rich, can you believe you've known him all this time and he hasn't watched The Wire? I know. It, it hurts my feelings deeply. We're going to okay, change no, that. We're going to change I can that. Forgive Next him. week, we're going to change that. I can forgive him for Star Wars. This is how... But The Wire, dude. Star Wars breaks my heart, too, by the way. I yeah, know, that's, I know. That's, that's, enough to, that's enough to just like... Wow, I don't understand with the, no! the laser swords. So the laser swords. Oh, it's God. so hard. Cool. Anyways, cool. Well, listen, man. Thank you so much for yeah. coming on the show. No this problem. Been, this has been great. Thank I, you. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we really do. I seriously, yeah. uh, you know, I, I mean, I always feel like I learn a lot every time we talk anyways. Yeah. You know, um, I hope the listeners got something out of this. I hope uh, yeah, you me know, too. we can kind of do something more like this in the future. It was super cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, and yeah, man. Good luck. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk Thanks, to you soon. Bro. Yes, stay safe. Take care, guys. Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources, which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.